All right, Hebrews, book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Lord willing, someday, in probably two, three months, according to my current planning, we'll be uh, studying through the book of Hebrews. It's my last lesson for a little while, at least, on uh, prophecy. And I've told you, I warned you, it's coming. Uh, this is a message that I, I have prepared and I've been working on literally for months. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that right here up front because literally I have been working on understanding and restudying what the Bible says about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why is because um, I grew up ever since, as long as I can remember, as young as I can remember in Baptist churches, where I was taught that there are two stages for the second coming of Christ separated by seven years or seven-year tribulation period. And I've also preached this for 30 years. But as I started studying prophecy without a private interpretation outline, all of a sudden I'm noticing some things that are totally different than what I was taught. Now with that said, notice Hebrews 9 verses 27 and 28. And the question we're asking today is, are there two stages or two second comings. Notice it says in verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now first and foremost, I want you to notice here does not say second comings. There's no two second comings found in that verse. Notice again, we're just going to let the Bible speak for itself without man's interpretation of it. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So is this in the air or is this to the earth? There's no distinction made in that verse. You can't find it there. Now, as... as as we understand this, um, the pre-trib rapture, as it's commonly referred to, is the coming for the saints. This is what I've been taught for years, what I've preached for years. The word rapture, as I've pointed out before, is not found in the Bible. That's why I, I now prefer to use Bible words like translation or whatever. And again, that, that's not, that's not my, my problem necessarily, except for what I studied here again this last week. With that said, pre-trib rapture, there's a lot of speculation and sensationalism tied to it. We have to admit that. A lot of speculation, much speculation and sensationalism related to the rapture. Here's how it's often been, been, I've heard it said over the years, from childhood on up. Imagine rush hour traffic as Christ comes again in the rapture. And all of a sudden cars have no drivers behind the wheel. Imagine planes crashing because the pilot is missing in the rapture, people disappearing, and so on. That's speculation. You can't find that in the Bible. It's not there. Trust me, that's the, the Bible does not say anything about that. We're going to see what the Bible actually says. So I look up again, Webster's 1828 definition. Again, this is 1828. Think about the year of this. Here's the definition of rapture. A seizing by violence. And then in parenthesis, Noah Webster had little used. Another definition, transport, ecstasy. Oh, see, there it is. There's the rapture right there. Violence of a pleasing passion, extreme joy or pleasure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not one, not one reference. I, I, okay, I understand. I understand Noah Webster was a Protestant. But Noah Webster often in Webster's 1828 dictionary will refer to a Theological teaching of some. Not one reference in 1828. Why? Because Darby was, was, was not starting his ministry until 1830. Okay, so think about this. Nothing is said about a catching up to heaven. But what's interesting is, that's for, the word rapture that we use today is from a Latin word. It means to seize or take away. See, there's the rapture right there. Rape is also based on the same word. That's why I prefer to use translation and translated. Think about that. Those are the things we're never told. 
Well, the rapture's in the Bible. This is the pre-trib rapture. I showed you weeks, months ago, even Song of Solomon, there's a verse that some use for the pre-trib. In fact, I sent that to our Brother Wilford one time. Oh, yeah, I see it now. I see it now. Here's the point. These things are taken out of their context and twisted according to private man's interpretation. Now, this teaching was popularized by, first of all, Edward Irving of the Church of Scotland in the early 1800s and later. In fact, what's interesting about that is Edward Irving in the Church of Scotland had a young woman in his church, supposedly, who had a vision about the rapture and Christians all caught up to heaven and so on. Then also, of course, John Nelson Darby in the mid-1800s, literally in England and traveling to the United States, I think six different times, teaching his doctrines. Also, Charles Henry McIntosh, William Blackstone in the late 1800s had a book entitled Jesus is Coming. Of course, C.I. Schofield, 1909 and 1917, reference Bible, and then total revision of 1967, where they actually even changed the Bible. Also, another name I'll throw out is Clarence Larkin. I've mentioned him before in the early 1900s. Of course, he's no, well known for all of his dispensational charts and all those things. All of those, all, those are the sources of it. And of course, I've told you before, the dispensationalists often will be honest that they get it from, from uh, Fran- Francisco Ribera back in the 1500s. So again, that, that's the origin of all of this. Here's how they often describe the pre-trib rapture. I, I've heard this for decades. It's secret, it's invisible, and silent. The world won't know what happened. That's the first stage of the second coming. Second stage of Christ's coming is his revelation. All right, so that's his coming for the saints. The revelation is his coming to earth with the saints. Again, I've heard this for years. So I honestly started looking at the Bible to see if both of these things are found in Scripture. As I've continued to study this, and I've done this for for decades, for years now... (coughs) I have been preaching this and teaching this for decades. And again, I'm going I'm to share with you the, the, the time that I started really questioning dispensationalism was when I was asked to teach a course on dispensationalism. The course that I took with the same, same online, on, uh, uh, online uh, Bible college for, uh, for, I think, for a master's degree, I told you the professor said that if the Jews had accepted their Messiah, Jesus Christ would not have gone to the cross. That's where all of this comes, heads to and leads to if we're honest. The serious problems that I find in this, as I honestly study scripture without putting man's interpretation on it, are there are inconsistencies and contradictions to the word of God. So what saith the scripture? Notice with me 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. There are several references in the Thess- book of, of, to uh, Thessalonians, to the Thessalonians, uh, relation to the coming of Christ. I want you to take notice of them, and here's what I want you to notice as we're reading this. None of these passages, not one of them, ever clearly indicates that there are two stages to Christ's second coming. Let's honestly see what the Bible says without man's interpretation placed upon it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye are, were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now notice here, verse 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Is there anything in this verse right here that that talks about two parts to Christ's second coming? Notice, all it says is to wait for his son from heaven. There's there's only one coming that's mentioned there. We we have to honestly admit that in scripture. Chapter 2, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Is there anything in this verse that talks about the first part of his coming when we're going to be before Christ's Christ coming? Not one reference to two parts of Christ's coming. Again, I want for us to honestly see what the Bible says here. Verses 12 and 13 of chapter 3 then. The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another 
and toward all men, even as we do toward you, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even the Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now let me ask you, if there's a pre-trib rapture, why does this not say before his second coming with his saints? Notice this, we are established, in our, our hearts I should say, established, unblameable in holiness before God. Why not seven years before his coming with the saints? Notice this, it's all related to the same coming. Notice again, read verse 13 carefully. To the end he, God, may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. So let me ask you, we as believers are not going to be established unblameable in holiness before God for seven years? That's the way I read this if there's a pre-trib rapture, if there's two aspects to Christ's coming. Notice this, we're established in our hearts unblameable in holiness before God at the, Lord, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Chapter 4. Ah, here's the, here's the one right here. This is the pre-trib rapture right here. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. I would, would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Now let me ask you, is that the first or second phase of the stage of the second coming of Christ? All it's talking about, all it says here is the coming of the Lord. Notice, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, First, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, see, see, there's the pre-trib rapture because you go into chapter 5. No, this is a continued statement. Notice verse 1 of chapter 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say... Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them and as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. This is all talking about the coming of the Lord. Now, with that said, notice again verse 16. I want, I want to ask you if this is, okay, talking about the pre-trib rapture, they often say it's secret, it's silent, and invisible. So let me ask you if verse 16 describes those three words. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Is that silent? A shout is not silent. With the voice of the archangel. Well, that's not silent. And with the trumpet of God. Doo -doo -doo -doo! <laughs> uh, so much for silent, secret. The dead in Christ shall rise first, in which we are alive and remain. Shall be caught up together with them to meet in the clouds to meet, uh, meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. It's also not invisible, as we'll see later as well. All right, so chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 4, but notice ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day, that day should overtake you as a thief. Which day? The pre-trib rapture or the second coming? It's all the same event. Chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body. Most preachers say body, soul, and spirit. Notice they want to get the body ahead of the spirit and the soul. Notice, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so is that the pre-trib rapture or is that the second coming with his saints? Again, we've seen these related to one another. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. This, this is one of the biggest ones right here. Notice verses 3 and following. Again, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just reading passages about the coming of Christ. Notice it says in verse 3, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, as it's appropriate or fitting, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches, plural, churches. We'll talk about the uh, doctrine of the church here in a, in a couple months probably. Of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Well, I thought, I thought we as Christians were going to be delivered from tribulation. You know, after all, the great tribulation. We'll talk about that. Where, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. 
Righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Seeing it as a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. All right, so there, there's the tribulation on, on the wicked that persecute. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Notice this now. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Hmm, that's interesting. Notice again the context. We're resting when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Wait a minute. I thought the pre-trib rapture, Jesus is coming himself, catching us to heaven and taking, catching us into the air and taking us back to heaven. I've already shown you there's no evidence in Scripture that we're actually raptured to heaven. That, that, again, that, that's all fables, fiction based on what, what man has, t- has taught us. Notice again. You, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be real, revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Well, that sounds to me like Jude 14 and 15, his coming with the saints. Hmm, that's interesting. All in the same sentence, notice, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished. Continued sentence. This is all one sentence here shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Continued sentence, verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. Notice, he's coming to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. Because our testimony among you was believed in that day. That day. We're talking about a single coming. And all of these things are taking place at the same time. Okay, let's move on. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Again, these are the passages I I tried to look at carefully to see if I could see two stages of Christ's coming. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that the pre-trib rapture or is that the second coming with the saints? The Bible doesn't say. Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed, blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Well, that sounds like he's coming as King of kings and Lord of lords when he comes. So so we're not talking about two stages of of his second coming here. Again, verse 14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, is that the pre-trib rapture or is that his second coming with the saints? Titus chapter 2. Here's the pre-trib rapture right here. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. After all, the pre-trib rapture is our blessed hope. Titus 2, verse 11. Yeah, the coming of the Lord is, but notice it says here, the grace of our God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for, this is all one continued sentence here, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that the first or the second part of his second coming? The Bible doesn't say Oh, yeah, well, see, see, when the Bible's silent, then you have to compare. That's what we're doing. We're comparing Scripture with Scripture. Now, one of these passages talk about two, a twofold aspect of his second coming. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew talks about his second coming as being a glorious appearing. Who gave himself? And by the way, this is not a secret coming of Christ. Obviously, if it's a glorious appearing... Uh, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify uh, unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Moving on, Revelation 1, verse 7. Actually, let's catch Jude 14 and 15 on our way. God, I added this one uh, afterwards. Jude, verses 14 and 15. Obviously, this here is a passage about his coming with his saints. Jude 14 and 15. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying... Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Thousands, plural. I believe this is both angels and his saints. 
saints, uh, sometimes angels were referred to as saints in Scripture. It says, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. See, there's, there's the second coming with his saints. I will talk about that. Revelation 1, verse 7. We're not, we're not done comparing Scripture to Scripture yet. So, Revelation 1, verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Obviously, that's not secret, so this must be, must be his coming with his saints, Jude 14 and 15. He cometh with clouds. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, I thought we're meeting the Lord in the air with clouds. Now, I've told you before, and we'll, we'll look at this again briefly here this, this afternoon. I've told you before, as I've compared Scripture with Scripture, we meet the Lord in the air in the clouds. After we meet the Lord in the air, we actually come back with him to this earth. Every eye shall see him. Again, this is not a secret coming. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. Now, I want to point out here that the only time, only the time, I should say, of Christ's coming will be a secret, not his coming. Only the time of his coming. We already saw 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 3. Notice with me 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, we'll refer to this again in a moment, so let's start with verse 8. Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. In the context, what are we talking about here? Um, notice it says in uh, verse 4, it says, where is the promise of his coming? <laughs> this is the context of Christ's coming. Why does the Lord delay his coming? Why? Because he wants more people to be saved. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So much for Calvinism, God choosing a, a, a select few and condemning the rest to, to hell. Now, notice verse 10 to 14. But the day of the Lord, see, this is the tribulation. It doesn't say it's a tribulation, it's the day of the Lord. It will come as a thief in the night. He's coming because he's not announcing his time. That's the word picture here. A thief does not announce. He, he doesn't send a text. Yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be breaking into your house at midnight. So, so if you don't want to be shot, make sure you're not there, okay? A thief does not announce when he's coming. Jesus Christ is not coming to be a thief. He's coming as a thief. In other words, he's not announcing his time. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, I want you to notice this. As we're going down through this passage, all of these things are related to his coming. It doesn't, doesn't clarify or specify that we're going to be raptured out of here before all of this stuff goes. So again, pay attention to the wording here. Right, so the earth also in the works, uh, and uh, the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Well, why do we have to worry about that? We're going to be raptured out before all the judgments on, on the earth. Right? We're going to be raptured out before the great tribulation. Let's honestly look at what the Bible says. All these things, seeing all these things are going to be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. He's writing to believers. Why? If we're going to be raptured out of here, why is, he, why is he teaching this to believers? That's our ticket out of here. We don't want to have to go through the great tribulation. That's what they say anyway. Wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. Again, we talk about this in Revelation 21 and 22. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved believers, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Matthew 24, Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24. Again, what I'm emphasizing is the time of Christ's coming is the only thing that's a secret, not this secret, quote-unquote, rapture. Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. No date setting, no signs of the times, none of that is allowed according to Christ's words here. But as the days of Noah were, Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, notice the days leading up to the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah went entered into the ark. Now pause there just a moment. What, he's, what Jesus is saying here, in the time up leading up to the coming of the Lord, everyone's going to live their lives as normal. Nobody's going to take, take the unbelieving world totally by surprise. Now let me ask you, if there's a pre-trib rapture seven years before his coming, is that going to take them by surprise? All they have to do is calculate seven years, and they know when Christ is coming. So much for a secret second coming then. Again, all of this stuff does not match up with what the Bible says. Notice, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came. That's exactly what's going to happen to the unbelieving world. The day that Christ comes, it's going to take them by surprise. And notice, took them away, all away. I showed you this here recently. Took them all away so that also that the coming of the Son of Man be. All right, so this, is this the pre-trib rapture? Or is this the second coming? It doesn't say. Because again, the second coming will be known if there's a, a warning. Wow, everybody disappeared. All, all these all these so-called Christians disappeared seven years ahead. So I know when Christ is coming. Ha ha, I know. Again, it does not fit. Okay, if that's the case, then Jesus was a liar. He said no one's going to know. It's going to take them by surprise. Then two shall be in the field, one taken, and so on. So, so again, we saw the rapture of the wicked. Uh, then notice here verse 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. He says this to everyone. He's speaking to his, his disciples here. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch of the, the, the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up, broken into. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour ye think not the Son of Man cometh. All right, so, so there's a lot of people who teach that, well, that's the, that's the pre-trib rapture. Again, if that's the case, then everyone will know when the second coming is, is, is going to arrive. Now, John 16, 13, Jesus very clearly says, In this world ye shall have, what? Tribulation. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus misspoke there. Because there's, there's going to be a pre-trib rapture before that 70th week of Daniel. We're going to be taken out of here, and then the Antichrist is going to be revealed. That, there's error even in that, but... Notice to me, John 17, verse 15. John 17, verse 15. Jesus says, In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 17, 15, as Jesus is praying for his followers, John 17, 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Jesus is not praying for us to be taken out of this world. Nowhere in the Bible can the phrase be found, the great tribulation. I've, I've told you this time and time again. You do a search, typing in the exact words, the great tribulation. You can find great tribulation twice. One of the times specifically talks about believers in Revelation chapter 2. Oh, so much for that. And then uh, one author I was, I was reading... Humorously said, Matthew 28, 20 says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the seven-year tribulation. Now, when, how long is Jesus going to be with us? Till the end of the world. Now, Matthew 13, I want you to see this. Again, I, I've shown you before in another context. But again, I'm, I'm, I want you to see this in relation to the two stages of the so-called second coming. All right, so is Jesus Christ coming twice? Matthew 13, verse 24. I want you to notice carefully some wording here. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. We're going to see that the field is the world. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy, in thy field? This is the good seed right here. From whence then hath it, hath it tares? It's a type of weed that looks like a wheat, looks like a wheat plant. He said unto them, An enemy hath done this, obviously Satan. 
The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Should we take the wicked out of this world right now? But he said, Nay, lest, thou, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Notice verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. I'm not going to have us look at this again, but Revelation 14, you want to understand what the harvest is? Jesus himself said very clearly what the harvest is. Let both grow together until the harvest. Okay, a pre-tribulational rapturist says that both grow together until the pre-trib rapture. All right, so there's going to be a pre-harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together, notice, first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Drop down to the explanation here in verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Jesus helps us understand very clearly what this is about. Again, verse 36, the disciples are, are, are asking, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Verse 39, the enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. That sounds like his second coming. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man, verse 41, Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now, it's very interesting. Private interpretationist C.I. Schofield has a note on Matthew 13.40 that says this. Again, you, you look at Matthew 13.40 while I read this statement. At the end of this age, the tares are set apart for burning, but first the wheat is gathered into the barn. C.I. Schofield just said that Jesus is a liar. That is a serious offense. Notice again verse 30. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. C.I. Schofield is twisting scripture here very clearly and obviously. All right, let's continue. Matthew 13, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a net. It was cast into the sea and gathered out of every kind. Gathered of every kind of fish. Some they wanted, some they didn't. Which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Again, this is a picture of what he says here will happen at the end of the world. So shall it be at the end of the world? The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's no way you can say, see otherwise. Notice again, till the end of the world, not seven years before. Jesus saith unto them, Have you understood these things? They said unto him, Yea, Lord, we understand. Luke 17. Luke chapter 17. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm using a lot of scripture on purpose. Because I want for us to, in one lesson, have an overview of all of this. And I know I, I took months to study this out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage you, you have to go back and listen to it again. So you can take, slow it down and you can assimilate it. I, I have a slow down, speed, speed up speed on my, my digital recorder that I use. So sometimes if I really want to pay attention to some words, I'll slow it down to 0.75. So anyway, Luke 17, verse 26. Whatever it takes for you to assimilate this, it's all going to be online for you here this week. It says, verse 26, and as it was in the days of Noah, again, what he said in Matthew, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until, until, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. The flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot. Again, we know in 2 Peter that Lot was a righteous man. But he was vexing his soul from day to day with the things that he was seeing and hearing. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, not seven years before to give a warning to Sodom, 
The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the house stop and stuff in the house. And again, and then verse 32 says, remember Lot's wife. Not seven years before. All right, so as you think about the references to Genesis, Genesis 7.13 says, In the selfsame day entered Noah and his family into the ark. Genesis 19, we see that very clear reference. The same day Lot left Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone. The same day, not seven years before. Jesus is using those Old Testament pictures as a picture of his coming. Now, according to dispensationalism in the pre-trib rapture, it requires two first resurrections then. You think about that. 1 Corinthians 15. If indeed there's a pre-trib rapture, they then require a second first resurrection. Now, I'm just going to uh, summarize this by reminding you that in Revelation 20, we saw there's only two resurrections. Blessed are they which have part in the first resurrection. Because the second death will not have, have any effect upon them. Again, I'm paraphrasing it. But very clearly, Jesus himself said there's only two resurrections. If there is a pre-trib rapture, and we, as a part of the church, are, are raptured and resurrected seven years before the second coming, there's a requirement of two, two uh, first resurrections then. Because here's the problem that I have with that. What about the tribulation martyrs? Pre-trib, pre-trib rapture, rapturist will say that Revelation 6 is about tribulation saints that, are, that are, are killed for the... When are they resurrected? Are they a part of the first or second resurrection? The second resurrection is for unbelievers. If the first resurrection took place at the, begin, at the pre-trib rapture, where's the rest of the first resurrection? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death... By man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so, so even, in, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Which one? I, I'm asking, which one? The pre-trib rapture or his second coming? <laughs> it's all One. Notice this. There's no two first resur- no, 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 no two resurrections here at his coming. Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming, seven years before or at the second coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. This sounds like his second coming. Notice this. He's going to deliver the kingdom up to God his Father. Even or when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The, notice this. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. When? At the pre-trib rapture or his second coming? With his saints. Is he going to destroy death twice? Things don't match up. When we honestly look at scripture. Verse 28. Um, Actually, verse, at the end of verse 27, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son, of, son also himself be subject unto him that uh, put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Drop down to verse 52, 51, 51 and 52. Behold, I show you mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. See, here, here's, here's, here's the pre-trib rapture. It's going to happen just like that. There's nothing about a pre-trib rapture here. This is about the resurrection, when we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, at the last trump, at the last trump. Which trump? Which trump are we talking about? Well, that's the trumpet in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Last trump means there's more than one. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, so much for a secret coming, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. All right, so so again, when are the tribulation martyrs supposedly resurrected? If we're raised and death is conquered at his coming. Is that not what we just read? Death is conquered. So death is conquered twice then, according to the pre-tribulationist. 
Now, for, for hundreds of years, preachers taught that no one could be saved after the coming of the Lord. We saw that in 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Why is the Lord delaying his coming? Because he wants more people saved. Well, according to Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, and according to the fiction books and Left Behind series by Tim LaHaye and Jenkins, millions are saved after Christ's coming. Private interpretation based on fiction. You look it up, the, the Tim LaHaye books are promoted as Christian fiction. Christian fiction. Thousands of people, in fact, they even suggest possibly the Mother Teresa got saved and the Pope. That's exactly what's found in those books. Well, can I remind you, well, we've studied it twice or two or three times now. Matthew 25, verses 1 through 11 says there's no second chance. Let us in, let us in. No, I never knew you. Depart from me. The five virgins who were not ready when the bridegroom came, they were shut out. There's no second chance. No second chance. That's all heresy. Hal Lindsey talks about his 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. And then he says this, the greatest number of converts in all history will take place after the pre-trib rapture during the tribulation period. That is all heresy. That is all based on fiction and fables. Now I want to mention here a couple things. I'll give you a a few quotes here. Uh, Verses, uh, let's see, page 12 and 13 of this book that I've been reading. This is not where I got my doctrine, but this has given me some, some very interesting quotes. During the, uh, if you honestly talk to a dispensationalist, they will tell you there's a different plan of salvation during the tribulation period. Did you hear what I just said? I was listening to, um, I think his name is uh, Jeffrey Greider. I, I do not recommend that you listen to him. Um, Jeffrey Greider, uh, the, now the end begins. He's on sermon audio and all that kind of stuff. Well, I was familiar with him years ago. And so I, I listened to some things, some recent teaching that he had on the rapture and so, and so on and so forth. You know, this, uh, all, all the different, uh, different things he has. And he even has a, a lesson that he recorded based on a letter that he wrote to his family members that were unsaved. And, and literally, he entitled this, If You Miss the Rapture, Here's What You Need to Do. And, and literally, he talks about, and this is all, he got all of his teaching based on what uh, Peter Ruckman teaches or taught. Peter Ruckman knows the truth now. I hope he was saved. But, but here, here's the point. Most dispensationalists will say there's a different form of salvation during the tribulation period. It's based on the Old Testament. Well, I thought Abraham was saved by faith. Listen to this about a different plan of salvation. Um, One writer says, "Now, now we can be saved. Now we can be saved by the blood of Christ. But after the rapture, people will have to give their own blood to be saved. Okay, so when are these martyrs resurrected? Again, I ask the question. It will be a martyr's route to heaven. So in other words, the only ones who can be saved during the tribulation period is if you die for the Lord. So when are they raised since they missed the first resurrection? There's another suggests that uh, when people, uh, the, the people will be saved or the lost on a basis of how they treat, uh, treat the Jews. I talked about that in Matthew 25. There's a tract the, the author had before him that said this. He's quoting from the tract here. If you should be left behind when Jesus comes... Do not persecute the Jews. Assist them in their distresses. For it may, be, it may turn to your salvation, to be your salvation. Those who have protected and cared for the Jews, who have hidden them, also fed them, clothed them, uh, will be found worthy to, uh, of entrance into the kingdom of age. Uh, as I already pointed out, Matthew 25 only has two groups, the sheep and the goats, not three. Not the sheep, the goats, and the Jews. Again, this is all teaching based on this whole thing. Again, there, there are no, there, there's not another way of salvation through the tribulation period. There is no tribulation period. So when are believers rewarded? Matthew 16, 27. Hmm. I thought it was at the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to see something here. Matthew 16, 27. So when, I, I know we're going to be a little bit longer here today than normal, but it's not 2 o'clock yet, so. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. Oh. So is this the pre-trib rapture or is this the second coming with his saints? The Son of Man shall come in the glory with his, with, of, of his Father with his angels. And then, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. When are we going to get our rewards? 
when he comes with his angels. That doesn't sound like the pre-trib rapture. We've already seen 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. When he comes with his angels, that's when we're going to receive our reward and we're going to enjoy the rest that Jesus Christ has promised. All occur at the same coming, not two different comings. So there's an argument that dispensationalists will make here at this point. Well, there's two Greek words used, and there's a distinction made. There's a distinction made between the appearing of Christ, which is the rapture, and the revelation or the return of Christ. There's a distinction made. Well, as I was doing some reading on this, I was actually brought, it was brought to my attention that there's actually six different Greek words. So are there six comings of Christ? <laughs> there's actually six different Greek words that are used, translated coming or appearing. Notice this one here, 1 Peter chapter 1. Here's a problem that you come to if you honestly study Scripture and don't buy all their lies, all their deception and their twisting of Scripture. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. 1 Peter 1 verse 7. All right, here's, here's words written to a group of Christians going through tribulation, trials, and troubles, suffering for the cause of Christ. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is the Greek word that we get apocalypse from. Hmm. Notice, so that our faith would be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ. All right, drop down to verse 13. <laughs> There's different words used. Same word is used in this passage, speaking of the same thing. Verse 13, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. For the grace that is to be brought unto you at the, notice, revelation of Jesus Christ. Ah, very interesting. This is the same Greek word that's translated appearing in verse 7. They're twisting scripture. Well, what does the Greek say? The Greek tells them they're error. They're filled with error. They're, they're lying to us. And I want you to notice something. The grace that is to be brought, un, uh, brought unto us at the revelation of Jesus. Does that mean we have to wait seven years for the Lord's grace? All kinds of problems when you honestly let the Bible speak for itself. All right, so let's talk about this meeting, to, meeting the Lord in the air. Again, just briefly. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 is we're going to meet the Lord in the air. Matthew 25.1 says they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Matthew 25.6 says at midnight the cry was made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Very interesting. I thought this was, I'd never noticed this before until I was doing some reading on this. Matthew, or Acts 28 talks about verses 14 through 16, if you want to write it down. Acts 28, verses 14 through 16. As Paul is going towards Rome, it says that the Christians, the saints in Rome, came out to meet him. Let me ask you, did the saints of Rome go back to Rome? All right, so you think about this. The Lord is going to meet us. We're going to meet the Lord in the air, and then we're coming back to the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going forth like the saints of Rome to meet Jesus Christ, and then we're coming back like the saints went back to Rome. Again, a powerful picture of what happens here when we go to meet the Lord in the air, and then we come back to the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's easy to see that we meet the Lord in the air, then we return to the, to, to the earth with him, as, I, as I've mentioned. So what about Revelation 4.1? I've already shown you several times on this. John was in the spirit when he was taken to heaven. It was not a bodily resurrection. There's no way you can, can twist that and say that that is a picture of the rapture. Even though C.I. Schofield says, this call seems clearly, seems clearly to indicate the fulfillment of 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 through 17, the rapture. The word church does not again occur in Revelation until all is fulfilled. Hmm. So let's look at his statement there, honestly, according to Scripture. The word saints do, or saint, saints occur in chapter 13, chapter 16, chapter 17, chapter 18. Okay, so church is not mentioned, but saints is mentioned. What I think is interesting is church is not found in Revelation 19 at the marriage supper, marriage, marriage supper of the Lamb. But saints are. 
That's a twisting of scripture. He's not honestly telling us the whole story. Revelation 20, there's no reference to the church. Okay, Revelation 21. No mention of the church. Oh, so the church is not in New Jerusalem, evidently, then. If we're going to follow that reasoning out, in fact, it's not found until the very end of the book of Revelation again when a warning is given. C.I. Schofield says this about Revelation 19. The lamb's wife here is the bride, the church. But it doesn't say it's the church. That's inconsistent teaching. It's inconsistent interpretation. He's twisting scripture. Well, what about Revelation 3.10? Revelation 3.10. We're almost done. Almost done. Revelation 3.10. Again, I want for us to see this in one setting so we honestly get a picture of this as we're wrapping all this together here. Revelation 3.10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience... And I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Well, see, there's a promise that we're not going to go through the tribulation. problem with that is this. Is, is the church of Philadelphia the last church listed of the seven? What's the last church? We live in the Laodicean age, the last church before supposedly Christ's coming. I don't buy all that the church age thing anymore, but... The problem with this promise being the tribulation, being delivered from it, Philadelphia was not the last church. It doesn't fit their, their reasoning and their, their logic. One other problem I want to mention here. Some dispensationalists teach that the Antichrist, the man of sin, will be revealed after the pre-trib rapture. The pre-trib rapture takes place, and then the Antichrist will be revealed. Hmm, there's a problem with that, what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians 2.3 says that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, apostasy, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, before, before the coming, not after. I'm going to summarize all this by saying this. I, this is what I've said before in some of this, this teaching. Let God be true and every man a liar. I no longer see a twofold coming second coming of the Jesus Christ. I don't see it. Passages that talk about his coming talk about the judgment upon the wicked and the, the uh, gathering together of, of saints as well. So, again, we need to pay attention to what the Bible says and not lean so heavily on private interpretations of Scripture. The, the, the ultimate thing, though, is this. When we think about Jesus saying, you don't know the hour, there's the thing we should be focusing on more than anything, making sure that I'm ready when Jesus Christ comes. Father, I pray that you'd help us to truly be ready, ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit of God, that you'd work in our hearts. Father, as I've emphasized so many times, help us to go back to the Bible for our doctrines. And not lean so heavily on private interpretations that become so popular because they're repeated often enough and long enough. Lord, even as John writes in 1 John 4, Lord, that we would be able to discern be between the spirit of truth and error. Lord, if it doesn't match up with what the Bible says, then it is error. Help us to honestly be willing to admit that. Thank you, Lord, for showing me these things after I had preached error for 30 years. Pray in Jesus' name, amen.